The scripture lesson is from John 1, 43 through 51. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is, a, is truly an Israelite in whom there is no de deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we're, you know, we're now three weeks into a new year. We're making it. We're surviving-ish. It's been like some residual lingering effects of 2020 that... 2021 is holding on to, but we're still making it. Um, there's still this feeling about 2021 that there's still possibility here, that we still have 11 and a half-ish months left to make something incredible out of this year, to see beautiful things rise up out of the dust. And I do believe that that's possible. With a new year comes new possibilities. I do believe that we could see that. However, I believe that that's only possible if we let go of 2020. Metaphorically speaking, of course. If we stop giving all of this uh, credit to 2020 for being a terrible time, if we are able to just, these clasped hands, open them and say, you know what? I'd rather have arms wide open for a new year rather than fist clenched at a year gone by. New possibilities are finding us. We, in our text today, find ourselves faced with Jesus getting into ministry. And the first thing that he does whenever he's preparing his ministry in the region of Galilee, which is already interesting that he's He's hanging around Galilee. He's not going to Jerusalem yet, to the southern region yet. He's hanging around Galilee, and to start his ministry, what's the first thing he does? He calls on disciples. He recognizes that what's, what he's about to go through, he's not supposed to go through alone. He recognizes that the outcome of whatever is lying in wait is not going to be something that only one person can carry even the Son of God through millennia. And while, yes, sure, Jesus could, Jesus chooses not to, to do this with others. And so in our text today, we find ourselves encountering two of the disciples, Philip and Nathaniel. 
there's, there's some interesting stuff going on here in this story. The first is that Jesus finds Philip. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. He finds Philip. But what does Philip do? He goes and finds Nathanael. Not Jesus. Jesus doesn't go to find Nathanael. Philip goes to find Nathanael to say, we found him, the Messiah, the Son of God. And this is, this is kind of Jesus's pattern for recruiting disciples. For the most part, there are some exceptions, but Jesus finds a disciple, and that disciple brings along another one. It's kind of the pattern that we, too, are called to. Sure, we might show up to church every single Sunday, but is there somebody coming with us? Maybe. Jesus calls us into a life of more than just us, but more of us. And so Jesus finds Philip, and then Philip finds Nathanael. And uh, Philip says to Nathanael, come and see. Come and see whom we have found, the one whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. From Nazareth. And, and whenever Philip says this, Nathaniel's response is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Odd question. Uh, but understand a little bit the context here. Oh my goodness, I'm already kind of messing things up. Understand the context here. Nazareth is this small town uh, that, well, yeah, nothing really happens in Nazareth. Nothing good, at least. It's, uh, to go into the full depth of the history of Nazareth, sure, we could do that, but just know that Nazareth is this small town that nobody expects anything to happen uh, coming out of it. It'd be like the equivalent of I don't know. What's a, what's a small town around here? Somebody name a small town. What's that? Wilmer? Wilmer, sure. Yeah, that's perfect. It'd be like, can anything good come out of Wilmer? Like, just, okay, it's like, I, I can. I can come out. I, I'm good. I can come out of Wilmer. This is, this is what Nathaniel's asking here. He's basically saying, like, really, I thought the prophet was supposed to come out of Jerusalem. Actually, I thought the prophet was supposed to come out of Bethlehem. Who's this person coming out of Nazareth that you want us to follow? And Philip says, just come and see. And so uh, Nathaniel comes over and, and finds Jesus. And, uh, and whenever Jesus saw Nathaniel coming towards him, Jesus said of Nathaniel, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel says, where did you get to know me? How can you say anything about me? You know nothing about me. Jesus answers him, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Okay. This is a little creepy. You were watching me while I'm hanging out under my fig tree over here. Doesn't really answer the question. At least it doesn't seem to for me. But Nathaniel responds and says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Clearly, Jesus' response was meaningful to him for some reason or another. Uh, some, in some way, seeing a person under a fig tree is meaningful. And Jesus says, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. 
Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel has this question answered pretty quickly, but this question right here brings up something that we have to address in ministry. That at some point in our lives, particularly if we are taking the route of ministry, whether that be vocational or just volunteering in ministry, that at some point we are going to be confronted with our prejudices. I just said a hot button word there that people get a little tense about, like, please don't go this route today. We had enough of it last week. Nathaniel has his prejudices. In fact, most people had their prejudices about Nazareth during this time. Can anything good come out of Nazareth was not a phrase coined by Nathaniel. Plenty of people ask the same thing. It's a, it's a prejudice that people had of the day that Nazareth is just a place where, you know, not really nothing comes out of it. Nothing good, at least. In ministry, we are confronted with our own prejudices, much like Nathaniel. Prejudices about other people where we have to say, is this person even good enough for God to call upon them? Is this person even good enough for me to follow them? Who is this person? Are they worthy? Are they worth anything? We'll find ourselves confronted with our own prejudices, uh, plenty more, I expect, especially through this coming week. We've already found ourselves confronting prejudices in 2021. How many times do we have to hear, it's the Republicans' fault, or it's the Democrats' fault? How many times do we have to hear these party names pop up and then blame placed on them? Because we have our own prejudices that say, my party isn't going to do at least as much bad as your party's going to do. And then we realize how silly and even arrogant it is to say that one party's mindset is able to do any kind of productive transformation. We are going to be confronted with our prejudices. We also see in this passage a confrontation with our own self-doubts. Though we don't really pick up on it as easily, Philip is a very, what some might call, shy disciple. Whenever we see Philip through the rest of of the narrative, he's not like the most bold and outgoing disciple. He's not like Peter who just runs his mouth all the time or uh, as bold as uh, James and John who say, let us sit at your right and left hand, Jesus. Uh, He's not not this uh, guy who's going to speak out all that much. He's kind of shy. He's one who has his own self-doubts, his own questions about his self-worth, and if being a disciple is something that he's even cut out for. So in this passage, we find two different layers here that ministry, that being called by Jesus, puts before us. Our own prejudices and our own self-doubts. While Nathaniel might be saying, can anything good come out of Nazareth, Philip might be saying, can anything good come out of me? We each find ourselves facing these same questions multiple points in our life, but they become even more prevalent whenever we are called to follow Jesus. And Jesus responds, these are the things that you are concerned about. These are the things that are getting to you. Very truly, I tell you, you will see greater things than these. You will see heaven opened up and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. 
you will see greater things than these. Following Jesus subjects us to greater things. Following Jesus calls us into a life of greater things, of things that are bigger than we could imagine, of things that are more than we could hope for, of things that are more than just me. And certainly, the disciples end up seeing greater things. Miracles happening left and right. Jesus feeding thousands upon thousands of people with just a few bites of, of food. Jesus at a wedding turning water into wine. Jesus raising the dead, healing the sick, the blind, the deaf, those who are unable to even move on their own. Jesus doing incredible things. And then, at one point, Jesus even bestows the power upon the disciples and said, says, go out, and he sends them out into the surrounding cities to minister to them and to heal their sick and to do miracles, to cast out demons, etc., etc. And the disciples themselves end up seeing greater things come from them. And then they hit their lowest of point. And the one who called them has been captured and then crucified and then has died and is buried. But yet they see greater things as they are waiting in the upper room. And Jesus shows up in their midst, past a locked door, says, peace be with you. The resurrected Christ is here. And they see Jesus ascending into heaven. They get to witness greater things. And then, guess what? The story doesn't stop there at the resurrection. It keeps going because then the disciples are scattered, intentionally scattered throughout the region to begin spreading this gospel, this good news of the resurrected Christ, our Savior, who has died for our sins, that we might all be reunited with God. And they go about the world, and next thing you know, Christianity is the largest and fastest growing religion in the world. And even still today, it's doing huge things. Interestingly, though, those huge things aren't happening so much in our own nation as they are happening elsewhere. The church in the United States of America is actually uh, the fastest declining religion uh, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's disappearing. Meanwhile, the church in China, other points of East Asia, is growing exponentially. The church in Africa is growing exponentially. And we have to ask the question, why? Why is the church growing in some places and not in others? Why has the church just become something that happens in the United States, whereas in other countries it, it has become something that is necessary. Why has the church become an inconvenience on Sunday morning whenever I could be sleeping in or doing something else, rather than something that we find is absolutely essential to our every single day of every single week, of every single month, of every single year of our lives? The answer, I think, is because we, have, we think that we have seen the greatest things we could see, and we're kind of tired of it. We're kind of tired of the show. We're kind of tired of, well, the church not really doing enough. 
we're kind of tired of the church not really being enough. Just kind of over it. Because we, we don't see greater things happening among us anymore. And so I ask us today, what are these greater things that we thought we would see? Ask yourselves that for a moment. What are these greater things that we thought we would see when we followed Jesus? Did we think that we would be seeing these incredible miracles show up all around us the same way the disciples did? Maybe. I'm not saying that's not what, what's supposed to happen. In fact, it probably is exactly what's supposed to happen. Is it rather that we just don't see the church taking the active role in the world like it once did? Or maybe we say the church just isn't what it once was, or back in my day, this is how the church was, and it should be getting back there, or we should be going back to how the church was in the beginning, etc., etc., etc. We keep placing the burden of greater things beyond ourselves. And we don't recognize that right off the bat, the greater things that Jesus has called us to and yes, following Jesus subjects us to greater things. But the greater things that Jesus has called us to is not to just witness other people doing incredible things. It's not to sit by and watch the church universal do mesmerizing and miraculous things. It is rather to see ourselves as the greater thing which Christ has called us to. Consider that for a moment. When we ask the question, what are these greater things which Jesus has called us to? I want you to know right now, it's you. It's supposed to be you. Not something beyond us, not something outside of us, but us. You can be the greater thing that you end up seeing this year. If only we are willing to follow Christ. What would a sermon before uh, the day we celebrate uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day be without a quote from the Reverend Doctor himself? Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King Jr. once said, everybody can be great. Everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Everybody can be great. In fact, Christ has called us to greater things, called us not to just witness greater things, but to be greater things, to be more than we are sitting here right now this morning. To be more, to be greater, to follow Christ into a world so desperately in need. Imagine for just a moment what it might look like to make 2021 the year of you being something great. And I don't just mean you being the better version of yourself and, you know, my, my ideal of being the great uh, that Jesus has called me to is that I end up losing five pounds and I, I go to the gym more often and I call people that I didn't call enough in 2020. That's not what I'm talking about. 
That's, that's all well and good. You can still do that. But when Jesus calls us to greater things, what Jesus is calling us to is to come together. To come together and then go out into the world, a world so desperately in need of love, of grace, of compassion. We have been called to greater things, and now I hope that you will begin asking the question, Jesus, what greater thing have you called me to this year? Who am I to be for you this year? Jesus calls upon his disciples to come and be a part of greater things, and they end up being a part of greater things. Why? Because they are willing to follow, not because they are willing to tell other people how they should be living. It is absolutely hilarious to me uh, through, through all that we've seen so far, how frequently people start saying how other people should be living their lives. How frequently people, uh, particularly the church, start saying, you know what, if we were in charge, this is how we would run things. People just end up saying, you know what, you all should be doing this. You all should be thinking like me. You all should be living like me. You all should all uh, be doing this, X, Y, and Z. But yet not a single person whom I see saying these kind of things is willing to actually transform their life to live into greater things. Not a single person whom I hear saying this is how the world should look right now is willing to actually live themselves a transformed life. Jesus calls the disciples to greater things and leads them into a life of transformation and all along the way they have to be willing to follow. Jesus never forced them to follow. They continued to follow of their own free will because they knew that along the way, Jesus was going to continue to use them as greater things for the world. And yes, they end up being greater things together. And so my challenge for us today is to be the greater thing that the world needs this year. 2021 is filled with possibilities. You just have to live into them. Everything that is waiting before us simply needs us to take action and say, I'm willing to follow Jesus on to greater things. I'm willing to step outside of my comfort zone now and then because Jesus has called me to greater things. I'm willing to make ministry more than an inconvenience in my life and as my very life because Jesus has called me to greater things. And here's how I hope you will start. Ask Jesus to open your eyes to the greater things that you could be this year. And I guarantee you, it's very rare that I make a guarantee, uh, but I guarantee you that you will begin to see opportunities to be a greater thing. You'll begin to notice people hurting all around you and what you can do about it. You'll begin to see the ways that you could be a peacemaker. You'll begin to see how to comfort those who mourn. You will begin to see how to be there for one another as a community, not as opposing political parties. You'll begin to see that God has already been at work trying to stir up greater things even here. 
we've just been so closed-minded to participate, saying it's somebody else's job, saying that it's somebody else's turn, saying that this isn't for me. But Jesus, at each point in our lives, calls us to greater things. We just have to be willing to follow, to make this a year of greater things, to be great by our service, by our love, by our willingness to follow. Let us pray.